everyone. I'm Ashley McManus, Senior Director of Global Marketing at SmartEye. Welcome to the Human-Centric AI Podcast, where each episode we feature thought leaders doing cutting-edge work in the AI space. A little bit about us, Affectiva is on a mission to humanize technology. Acquired by SmartEye in 2021, Affectiva created and defined the category of Emotion AI. SmartEye is the global leader in Human Insight AI, technology that understands, supports, and predicts human behavior in complex environments, bridging the gap between humans and machines for a safe and sustainable future. By carefully studying eye, facial, and head movement, our tech can draw conclusions about a person's awareness and mental state. Our eye tracking is providing new insights for research within aerospace, aviation, neuroscience, and more. Today's episode features a Duncan Southgate, Senior Director, Creative and Media Solutions of the Insights Division at Kantar. Duncan has over 25 years brand communications and media research experience gathered in various European, U.S., and global roles within Milward Brown and Kantar. He is currently responsible for growing the company's global creative and media effectiveness business, and his core focus is how media context and creative content can best work together. Duncan and I talked all about attention, what role expressiveness plays in relation to attention, where emotional engagement comes into play, and even how brands can predict attention and impact on their advertising. Let's listen in to learn more. Okay. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in with me today. I have Duncan Southgate of Kantar. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. Thanks a lot, Ashley. Absolutely. Okay. So to start, tell us about your background. How has your career path taken you to Kantar and what is your current role? Well, I'm something of a Kantar lifer. (laughs) I originally studied maths at uh, Leeds uh, University back in the um, early 90s. And then I guess, you know, I didn't know really what I wanted to do, but I ended up in market research because I figured out that with I preferred the percentages to the dollars or the pound signs. So accountancy and insurance weren't going to be for me. that kind of led me to Millwall Brown in Warwick. So I then spent four years there working on traditional brand and comms research, uh, good good old-fashioned Millwall Brown um, copy testing and brand tracking. But then the kind of exciting thing that happened in my career was I popped over to the US for four years uh, in the late 90s, which was the first dot-com boom and bust. So that was when the early digital brand list studies were, were kicking off, and I got involved with that right at the start. Um, and after I came back to the UK, since then, I've been involved in global innovation and product roles, um, initially with Mel Brown, now with Kantar. So I used to work on our link copy test uh, many years ago, updating that as well as updating some of our other products. But in the past 10 years, since I've been living in Germany, my roles have always been at this intersection of kind of innovation and thought leadership. So not just updating the products, but also understanding what we learn from those products. Um, initially, I did that for our digital product suite. Then I was doing it for our media and digital product suite. And now I'm overseeing our creative and our media effectiveness products. Great. And we've actually had a number of, of guests from Kantar on the podcast. But for those who are unfamiliar with Kantar, can you, you briefly explain you know, what your offerings are? Yeah, I'm not going to attempt to, to over explain the overall cancer <laughs> because it is vast um, um we're covering all kinds of areas uh, of of human understanding but the the pieces which i oversee as i said are these creative effectiveness and media effectiveness products so in the creative effectiveness space our most famous product is link uh, where we do um copy testing to understand uh, and tell our clients how well ads are going to work and then the media effectiveness products are once the campaign is live 
how well is it working in market um, and which channels are working best to, is it the TV working best? Is the online video working best? Is the out of home working stronger? Which which pieces are building which brand attributes? So those are the, the key products that, that I work with. And we do those. The, the copy testing is more for advertisers, um, yep. but the media effectiveness products is advertisers, creative agencies, media agencies, and many, many publishers working with those uh, are working with those products as well. Now, I'm really interested with with your knowledge and expertise. What would you say you know some of the biggest challenges are for those who are are working in the advertising space today? Right. I mean, there's many, <laughs> I guess. But the key ones right now, I mean, a very topical one, I think, is suddenly um, inflation. Um, and, uh, you know, you've, you're going to get less probably for your money when you're investing your, your media dollars. If, you, if your budget isn't under pressure, then inflation is putting it under pressure. So return on investment from every dollar that you spend is becoming even more important. So we spend a lot of time trying to get clients, um, making sure that their money is in the right place, working as hard as it possibly can. But I think then there's also this other sort of attention economy challenge, right? You you can't just shout shout louder. Um, as there is more content out there, you need to find a way of cutting through the noise and being entertainment that people embrace, rather than just adding to the clutter and uh, and being a, a further irritation. So, um, helping people find the right places to do that and the right ways that their content can engage in a positive way um, is definitely a, a, a big challenge that we we love helping clients with. Yes. And so let's unpack this a little bit. So I think you recently presented a talk for the Attention Council this year. Uh, the topic was the role of attention in the, you know, the creative development process. So can you give us like a high level description of, you know, the background of your presentation and, and what you were looking to discover? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the core of the attention debate um, which and the attention council are doing a great job of promoting that is really focused, I guess, mostly on media planning. So the the, the heritage of the attention topic, I think, seems to be, okay, well, we used we, we used to be planning to improve the viewability. So we were worried that there was lots of ads that weren't being uh, seen by machines that were just underneath the fold. So how can we improve our media planning based on? making ads more viewable um, and that debate has evolved so that now the focus is well I don't just want the machine to see the ad <laughs> for uh, I, want, I want a person to see it um, yeah. which is a, a good improvement but I think that the the attention council was promoting that and then they said to themselves okay well it's not just attention is not just important for media planning it, how are attention metrics being used in the creative development process and obviously we know a bunch about that because we do have, we have attention measures baked into our creative testing approaches and we also use attention in some of our in market diagnosis so that was what they wanted us to uh, to talk about and myself and a few other uh, providers talked about the um, how attention is hugely important in the creative development process Absolutely. Now, what was, uh, I know that Affectiva and Candor have a really long relationship. They're, they're longstanding partners. Can you talk about, you know, what, what the data was behind the learnings in your presentation? You know, maybe how Affectiva and Cantor work together to get those kinds of results? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and this is where, you know, we're, we're sitting on a goldmine, right? So we're hugely proud to have tested almost 50,000 video ads using affective facial coding. So that gives us almost unparalleled understanding of how people do or don't pay attention to ads and how they react as they're doing so. 
so that was that was one massive piece of the uh, of the um, what, that I was building on for these these learnings. The other piece was we also within our digital ad assessments um, put a lot of those ads into context, and there we capture not just the attitudinal response of whether people like the ads and whether it changed their attitudes, but also the behavioural responses of how many seconds were they watching for, when did they skip, um, and so on. And so that there, there was um, it was the, the com the combination of those two pieces were, was what I was trying to share within this uh, within this session. Okay, very cool. And then during your presentation, you know, you showed a couple of video examples. Obviously, podcasts we can't we can't show anything. But I was wondering <laughs> if you could summarize or or share, you know, what they were and what some of the key messages and you know what they were examples of. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that we, we will share the link, I guess, <laughs> along yes. with this, because the, um, what I used was I used some of the examples from this year's Kantar Creative Effectiveness Awards. That's a, They're brilliant examples of how you can capture and retain attention. So if you go to the Kantar Creative Effectiveness Awards page, you'll be able to see the ads I'm, I'm talking about. Um, what, what we did in for this presentation was we, we said, well, we, we do know some things that are some themes that make uh, you people more or likely less more or less likely to pay attention. And we know that the human brain's programmed to, to pay attention to stuff that's different, stuff that's highly personally relevant or stuff that makes you real, really feel something. And we had examples of each of those different approaches. So one of the key trends, I guess, in we, we've seen in TV creative is digital style. So TikTok style ads popping up on, on TV screens so that that looks different and new and exciting and, uh, and cuts through a bit better. Um, but the, the overall uh, winner of our TV category in this year's awards was came from New Zealand. It was for a DIY brand called Mitre 10. And I would definitely uh, recommend you looking this up because I, I, I won't be able to do, do the ad justice, but it, I've watched it a, a dozen times now and it always brings a tear to the eye. It's a, it's a really strong emotional story. It's about a bromance <laughs> between a guy who wants to do a DIY project at home and the Mitre 10 employee who helps him through that journey. Um, the guy's going back to the shop. By the, time, by the end of this whole kind of uh, ad, they're high-fiving each other, they're hugging each other. It, it, and and on all, this is all just because they're doing a DIY project together. So it, it but it's just wonderfully done and uh, brings along across this whole idea that, you know, you can tell a longer emotive story as long as you've got a really uh, good hook and uh, something that that rewards the viewer. That's terribly precious. And I will definitely throw that link in the, uh, in the show notes. So what role would you say that expressiveness plays in, in relation to attention? And, you know, I guess to take it deeper, can you have one without the other? And, you know, additionally, you know, Affectiva is the emotion AI company. So naturally we're interested in, in understanding, you know, where emotional engagement comes into play. I mean, I'm not going to try and sort of do the academic uh, answer here, yeah. but I, I, um, but my take on it is that um, mostly attention is a precursor to expressiveness, right? Um, okay. And and obviously, we don't just have eyes; we do have ears. So it is possible and um, to to have to not have any visual attention, but but still have some kind of uh, engagement, emotional response, be be expressing things. What, uh, even though you're only half what, looking at a screen. But most of the time, for a video ad in particular, um, you know, the, you need to be watching it to, to get the full emotional impact and to 
to get the stronger emotional responses that um, that affective or facial coding is brilliant at diagnosing. Um, the, the base level is just look at the screen and then start to engage. So, so I, I kind of think as our expressiveness summary measure of facial coding as being a kind of very engaged attention measure. So it's sort of, I think the engagement world, sorry, the attention world is talking about um, active versus non-active attention. And, and, and that's, that's, but that's a much lower level um, uh, definition because they're just talking about active attention, actually just looking at the ad rather than looking away. Once you're looking at the ad, you know, we want to know when your face, what point in the ad is your face light up? At what point might you be a bit uh, brow furrowy, confused? That's that's why we, um, I, I think, uh, expressing this is a higher order um, metric. And we've also done a better job when we've looked to try and validate which of those metrics correlates through to sales effectiveness of ads, we've seen a better relationship with the expressiveness measure. So the, if you get lots of expressiveness for an ad, that's got a better chance of predicting sales effectiveness than just getting um, a high level of attention. So I think it's, you know, I, th I think there is there is a clear hierarchy to me and hope, but mostly one does. Uh, so uh, attention is no guarantee of expressiveness, but expressiveness most of the time does need attention to to kickstart the process. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Um, so also in your presentation, you discussed uh, Kantar lab research for Group M, um, which blended you know advanced observational and attitudinal techniques. So I was wondering if you could explain you know what you did, where you analyzed ads from, and what your results were ultimately. Yeah. Um, and the point, the point here was that sometimes you need loads of attention measurement and other times you can get away with just one approach, right? So the, we've tested 50,000 videos using facial coding. That's our kind of industrial testing technique. But it is really interesting to understand how eye tracking and facial coding interact and how behavioral measurement of what the machine can capture interacts. And, and what about the survey metrics, which are still hugely important to understand what people think about the ads. So this study um, in three countries for three Group M advertisers across multiple ads and multiple platforms um, brought all of that together. So it's a massive undertaking, which we're hugely grateful to Group M to have, uh, um, to have sponsored. So, and what that did show was that mostly the hierarchy is the same. So um, if you've got, if the machine's measuring more attention, the ad was watched for longer, chances are that the eyes were looking at the ad for longer and the um, expressiveness was 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 higher so there is so across the different platforms we looked at the formats we looked at that that hierarchy was fairly consistent but the but the proportions between the different measures weren't the same so it was possible to have um, it, uh, one particular um, metric look much look much platform looked much worse on the um, on the measure of eye tracking than it did just behaviorally based on the machine. So it's only when you're looking to really deeply understand specific formats for planning purposes or for creative planning purposes that I think you need to really deep dive into and, and um, triangulate all of the different metrics. And then probably for your industrial testing approach um, for creative at the ad level, you, you need to pick your favorite um, and you need to and, and go with the one that you think best serves your objective. Yeah, definitely. You also had a, a couple of examples of Ryan Reynolds from Mint Mobile. Uh, what did you look at there and, and what were your findings in regards to attention? 
Well, I, mean, I guess my main finding here was that Ryan Reynolds captures attention, unlike pretty much anyone else. Um, but in Cannes last week, he was uh, obviously the biggest drawer in the Palais with uh, queues of over half an hour to, before his before his session to get in. So, so, so this is a gratuitous attempt to understand the, the magic of Ryan Reynolds. Um, but what, what we did was we, we put one of his ads, um, a few of his ads, in fact, into different platforms. Because what we can do with our automated uh, context lab testing approach is is test the same ad on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and so on. Um, and the key learning is that even a superstar at, at capturing attention like Ryan Reynolds gets different levels of attention across contexts. And even, even Ryan Reynolds needs a bit of time to tell his story. So in this particular case, one of his ads um, generated much stronger brand lift on YouTube and TikTok than it did on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Now, that's not always the case. Um, but in this case, his ad, his kind of humor and style fits quite well with those platforms. So there's a sort of humorous, it, it adds a more um, appropriate, I suppose, on TikTok and YouTube than perhaps on Instagram and Twitter. So that was part of the, the diagnosis. But also that the attention metrics, the behavioral attention metrics also explained it. So there was um, greater attention paid to, to, for the ad for to the ads for longer uh, in those uh, in the YouTube and TikTok contexts. So again, you, you can you, you don't just want to know where the ads worked. You also want to, want to understand why and how much of that is the the creative itself and how much is is the uh, is the platform. So those kinds of tests uh, we're doing more and more of those to uh, to understand how well a particular ad is working in different places. Okay. The magic of Ryan Reynolds. Um, so interesting. Okay, so for those interested, and I imagine a lot of brands are, how how can brands predict uh, attention and impact? Is that something you could speak to? Well, well, yeah, because I think there's this there's this two ways to do it, right? So one thing is you can do do a test with um, with, with our automated. Um, uh, ad testing people, you, you can put a couple of hundred people through a test. We can knock those out in, a, in just a couple of days now. So we can test using the, see some actual behavior and some actual and get some actual attitudinal responses very quickly these days. And that's uh, I guess that's, that's the a, a really good answer. And you can do that before the campaign goes live. So you've got a, a good steer on where the campaign's going to go. But you probably won't have the budget to do that for all your ads in all the places you'd like to test it. So we've built a product called Link AI for Digital, and that's based on the um, thousands and thousands of ads we've already tested. There's, there's a TV version and there's also a digital version. But within the digital version, we're able to predict the behavioral response. So before we know how exactly how many seconds someone is going to watch it in, uh, when it's on Instagram or or, uh, or on YouTube, we can we can predict that based on loads of the ad features. So and it, it's actually remarkably good because it's doing a comprehensive feature extraction, understands the kinds of things like the edits and where, where the brand appears and what kinds of characters appears. And um, those those features add up to a really good prediction of, of whether this is more or less likely to capture attention. So, so that's working really nicely and that's available now. Um, and I think what's going to happen in this whole predictive space is predictive eye tracking approaches that are um, around now. We're playing around with them. I really want to understand how well they can predict attention, the specific focus of attention of which bits of an ad people will look at. Um, uh, maybe, maybe it's more for a 
static rather than video. Um, but I think that's that's a really interesting space. So I think we'll see that evolving. Uh, so we've talked about a lot, a lot of different stuff today. So, you know, based on our conversation here, if you had one takeaway or a few, I know you had, I think, five conclusions from your, your presentation um, for the audience listening today. What would you like to tell them? I mean, I think the main one is that attention really does matter. You know, it's it's like it, there's there's a, there's good reasons people are talking a lot about it right now, and it's you know it's validated through to um, through to, to sales, which is great. But it is only a stepping stone on the road to first creative success, and then ultimately brand impact and sales success. And so um, you, you need to understand it in and, and uh, analyze it within that that broader context. Absolutely. Great. So for our listeners, uh, can you tell, can you let us know where they can go to learn more or do you have any other kind of call to action for that? Um, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest place to, to start. Um, and I'm more than happy to share a copy of the Attention Council presentation that, that you were um, referencing in this call. Um, and, you know, again, also really happy to answer any questions people may have about attention, Cantor's view on it, or or our creative and media testing products in particular. Awesome. Great. Well, that was all I have for you today, Duncan. Once again, thank you so much for your time. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely. It was a, a my pleasure was mine. Thanks a lot. We covered a lot of ground when it came to attention today, from the extensive database available between Kantar and Affectiva to conduct this analysis of attention to the magic of Ryan Reynolds. Personally, my strongest takeaway was when Duncan stressed that not only does attention matter, but that you can earn attention and that it is precious in digital contexts. So combining behavioral and attitudinal measurements can be super important in making every second count there. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Human-Centric AI podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes. We're also on social media, so please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to share any feedback you have on the show and weigh in on the discussion using hashtag Human-Centric AI podcast. Don't forget to rate us and comment with your feedback to help make the podcast more discoverable for others. Until next time, thanks for listening.